Welcome to Sales Velocity TV, where we pull back the curtain on how the top businesses in the world sell more with less resistance. Bringing over 50 plus years of combined sales experience and over 100 million in revenue generated, please welcome the hosts of Sales Velocity TV and two incredibly entertaining gentlemen, Andrew Cass and Aaron Parkinson. Welcome back to another episode of Sales Velocity TV. I'm Andrew Cass. That's Aaron Parkinson. And, uh, you know, we're episode 14 now, and I'm just hoping we're living up to the incredibly entertaining gentleman. You know, the, the jury's out, but the introduction, I, I chuckle every time she says it. <laughs> How you doing, man? I find us entertaining, and that's really all that matters because it's you know our what? show. Well said. Well said. Hey, listen, we got an interesting twist here today, which I'm going to let you explain. But before we get into the true or false theme that we're going to probably bring out more, more than just today, um, we got really great feedback on episode 12 where we broke down the business of Tom Brady and the TB12 method. We're going into Super Bowl 55 weekend at the time of shooting this or two days before the Super Bowl, now that I think of it. Who do you like? Not going to spend a lot of time on this because we could end up like looking at the clock and it would be 30 minutes in and we're still talking about the Super Bowl or football, right? Who do you like? Uh, are the Saints in the Super Bowl? I guess you haven't been watching the news, huh? Well, then I don't like anybody. Come on, pick some. You have to, you have to pick some. Okay. All right. Who I, do you uh, like, honestly? Because it's once you get to this level, it's anybody's game. Who, who do I think is going to win or who do I want to win? Well, first of all, who do you genuinely think will win? And then who do you want to win? I genuinely think the Kansas City Chiefs will win. I think they have uh, too much youth, too many weapons, too hard to control. Uh, but I love the story, man. I love the Tom Brady moving to another team, playing at home, first team ever to play a Super Bowl in the home stadium. You know, they got a ton of weapons. Yeah, you know, it's going to be you know warm, which plays you know to their advantage. You know, sometimes when you see a story like this, you just go, maybe it's, you know, it's fate. Maybe it's destiny. You know, it just it would be a great bow on a tremendous sports story. It really is the greatest story I think I've ever seen. I was walking to my office this morning and there's a, there's an art studio nearby and they had this beautiful Michael Jordan display where they had the image of his six rings and the vintage Jordan shoes and the, and the book that said the goat. And then it had, of course, his vintage you know, his vintage dunking, um, you know, silhouette, right? And I was like, man, Brady has six, he has six. No doubt Jordan was, I don't know how many championships Jordan went to. Brady's going to 10. This will be his 10th appearance. So these guys, I mean, they are neck and neck as the GOATs. I mean, the greatest athletes of all time. But I, here's my thing, is of course I'm a huge Brady fan and I want them to win and I will be very upset if they don't and I will be really pulling for him. But my thing is, at the end of the day, the Super Bowl always comes down to turnovers. Whoever can control the ball and hold on to the ball and not throw the interceptions, not make the fumbles, will win the football game. 99% chance that will be the case. So it's all about ball control and not turning it over because these teams are so evenly matched at this level that it just comes down to who makes the fewest amount of mistakes. But of you know course, what? I that, want Brady that, and that, the Bucs to win. That brings up a great question, which might be the, the tipping point. I can't remember the name of their rookie uh, on defense for Tampa, but he is uh, unbelievable at causing turnovers. And he went out of the game against uh, uh, whoever they played last. The uh, the, the Tampa Bay Bucks played last. Beat the beat the Packers. 
Yeah, he went out mid middle of the games, and I don't know if he's going to be back. I, I don't know if you you followed. That's the team another thing. I mean, you know, who's out, who's in, who's healthy, who isn't. There's this COVID thing going on. God forbid any of these guys. These guys are probably like in their closets this week because if they if they test they test for COVID every day, and if yeah. you test, you're done. It's like you're out for two weeks, and this is the Super Bowl week. So I'm always like looking at the news, saying, God, these guys must be like just not going near anybody to not risk not being in the Super Bowl. Do not right? work out. Do not go, go outside. Another human not go to being dinner. Until you step on the field on Sunday morning, right? But anyways, Absolutely. let's get rolling here. So I'm going to let you talk about the framework of today since you created this little theme. And I think it's one of those, you know, this will be an entertaining episode, but also very instructive because naturally it's going to tie to your sales process. But it's called True or False, Aaron. And Tell me how. Tell me what the format is here. I mean, I know, but tell the tell the listeners and viewers. Well, it, it, we're going to talk about some extremely important things to optimize your sales process to sell more efficiently. But rather than just tell you all the answers, I thought let's make it more entertaining today. We're going to play true or false. So, what's going to happen is Andrew is going to ask me a series of questions and ask me if they are true or they are false. And then I am going to actually give the answer. But while he's asking me, I want you to ask yourself, A, do I know the answer to this question? And B, what do I think the answer to this question is? And, and play along with us and see how good your knowledge is around your sales process. Because if you don't know what your baselines should be, for things, then you just assume that everything's working properly. But if if there's a baseline that everyone else who is super successful at what you do has, and you don't have it, then you can immediately zone in your focus on where you can improve your sales process. So today we're going to be playing true or false. I think it's going to make some return visits through our show. Obviously, it's dependent on the feedback we get yeah. from our viewers and our listeners. But today we're going to play true or false. Andrew, you get to go first. Oh, boy. You get to ask me questions. I'm going to answer. You want to go back and forth, me one, you one, or you five, me five? Whatever you like. We go back and forth one to one, or we can go five, me first, five, you second. I'll let you Got make it. that decision. Got it. All right. So, so the, the, and the, other, the other thing you want to be thinking about here as you know, everything here pertains to sales and, and selling and improving your processes is, is Aaron and I might have an answer based on our experience, right? So these are these are what I call experience-based answers, which is important, right? You're leveraging our experience by watching the show or listening to the show. And, and you might have a different opinion, which is great. But the key is this will hopefully create awareness in your business as to how do I handle that particular question. This is really good for exposing unknowns in your business. I think that the best business owners in the world, Aaron, they have a lot of knowns in their business. Businesses that struggle have a lot of unknowns in their business, meaning there's a lot of things they don't know, which is why they can't really make big decisions to scale. Right? Well, so and this will help they, you they, know more about the process of growing and scaling and selling more. Absolutely. And the key here that, that, that you just brought up is that, one, you have to know your numbers. But secondly to that, isn't it beneficial to know what the best industry standards are so that then you can look at the two and say, oh, I'm falling behind here. I need to be able to improve. And I know that I can because somebody else is doing it better. If somebody else is doing it better, then that means you got room to improve and you know where to focus your time. Little hinges swing big doors, as they say, right? These are like little things that, you know, you just chip away and chip away and chip away. And you're like, man, we're having a tremendous result right now, right? So I'm going to hit you with the first one, buddy, okay? 
All right, let's so go. Andrew to Aaron is a good click-through rate on your ad 1%. Now, you should define click-through rate. You're a traffic guy. You take for granted the world knows your, 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 your terminology. So what is a click-through rate first? And is a 1% click-through rate a good rate? Hey, this is a true or false game, Andrew. So true or false <laughs> is a good click-through rate You're right. 1%. Okay? The answer to that is false. Okay? In our eight, and for those who don't know what a click-through rate is, it means when your ads are up on Facebook, Instagram, Google search, YouTube, you know, whatever, one of the main channels, you got to look at how many people view your ad versus how many people click on the link of the ad to go to your website. That is what a click-through rate through, yeah. is. So the question is true or false, a good click-through rate on your ads is 1%. That is absolutely false. It is the base minimum that you should allow. But in the agency where we're, you know, we're seeing four to $5 million a month in ad spend, our definition of a good click-through rate is anything north of 2%. So the answer is false. Got it. Good explanation there. All right. I'll, a I'll, 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 soft, just I'll to, lob just, you up your just, softball. Just to extend on it quickly, Aaron, um, this, this, these statistics today exist in every single media platform. So if you run ads on Google, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, the big three, right? Google and Facebook are one, right? So the yep. big three, we call it here quite a bit on the show. These stats are available. Like the second you turn the ads on, you can see that click through rate and really start to be able to have a baseline and be able to build off a baseline. Correct? Absolutely. And, and so when we see anything below a 2% click through rate, you know, we start asking ourselves questions like, is this the right audience? Is this yeah. the right image? Is this the right video? Is this the right ad copy? Mm -hmm. and, and, and we just keep testing until we get north of where a good click-through rate is, which is 2%. Got it. Got it. Good. You're up. I'm up. Okay. True or false? If you have a landing page where you give away some type of free information, we talk about education-based marketing all the time. True or false, your opt-in rate on your website should be at least 40%. True or false? I would say true with a caveat, right? And the reason I say true is because normally when you have what's called a low threshold offer, right? So I'll talk high threshold, low threshold, right? A low threshold offer means somebody gets to your website, you have a free report, a guide, a cheat sheet, a demo. It's pretty simple. Like, you know, there's no awkwardness. It's just, do you want it or do you not want it? Does it make sense to you? Is it compelling or is it not? I'll sign in and get it done. Low threshold offer. When you have hula hoops to jump through to get to the offer, and maybe it's a free report or a cheat sheet along with a strategy session or get on the phone with someone. Now you have what's called a little bit of a high threshold offer where now there, it, 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 you, there's people involved and maybe you don't necessarily want to connect with somebody. So as long as, so my little disclaimer, right, is as long as it's a low threshold offer only, just information, just exchange of value, yeah, you should be looking at a very high conversion rate. I mean, 40% is even high it, and it depends on your industry, right? But yeah, that's a, that's a number that if you can hit those numbers, 30 to 50%, meaning one to one in three to one in four, Right, that's a really good number. One in three to one in four people hitting your website and signing in to get your thing. You can build a monster database that way um, if you've positioned the information the right way, and if it's a low threshold offer only. Right, and and the, 
that, yeah, the extra caveat I would add to that, and, and we look at this all the time when people bring their offers to us, is it depends on how much information you want to capture. Yeah. Right? I would say 40% for me is a minimum that we strive towards if all we're capturing is email. Yeah. yeah. You start adding in first name, last name, God forbid, phone number, hmm. you're going to see that thing plummet. Yeah. Unless yeah. you've got the most amazing piece of information known to man. It's another so, disclaimer. It's, it's disclaimer number two is the, the, the least amount of information you ask for bumps up that conversion rate statistically study after study over the last couple decades as well. So email only, you get a bump. Name and email, you get a little bit of a down bump. Email, name, phone, it, it, will, it will tend to trickle a teeny tiny bit lower as you do that. So you see, I'll give you a couple of good examples too. Um, see this in the financial space a lot. We mentioned them a couple episodes ago. The Motley Fool is a really, really big, probably hundred plus million dollar training information based company inside of the trading, the stock trading space. Try 400. Try 400 million. Is that right? Okay. Well, I, I knew it was north of a hundred million, but they're a beast. And they have these great little offers out there that give away a tip that gives away a undervalued stock or a story or a mystery or a next, a next Amazon, right? They're really good at positioning like the next big thing. And it's always just give us your email. And I know they've tested it and it's quick. It's a tip. It's low threshold, not a lot of thought to it. And boom, you're on their email list. Absolutely. Go yeah. I, 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 I highly recommend to all yeah, of our clients. Just, just take the email, capture more information later on in your process, exactly. you know, make yeah. it easy. And yeah. we, we strive for 40%. You know, we actually feel like we've dominated when we get to about 60%. Yeah, 60s, you know, 60s, you're a rare bird, and that's going to be some amazing copy, but I've seen it done. All right, I'm going to you next, right? So, all right, you, true or false, you should test at least one new image, video, or piece of copy per week on your advertisements. That is false. Do, what do we are why. finding today in the marketplace is that one, uh, creative is fatiguing very quickly. Creative as in images, pictures, images, designs, copy, right? video, Graphics. you know, and obviously it fatigues faster when you're spending more money. So if you're, you know, if you've got a small budget, it's going to fatigue less quickly. But, you know, for me, we train our people that, that they have to launch and test at least three images or videos, three headlines, three pieces of copy per week because we find that without that protocol in place, number one, people get lazy and they, and they rely on their results. You know, they, the, oh, oh we, we, we got somebody to respond to our ad. It's good enough. But if you're, if you have a protocol in place where you're testing a three by three by three every single week, just inside a small percentage of your budget, cause you don't want to throw the, you know, the whole result off in your campaign then you are constantly finding new angles, new hooks, new way to describe your product that's more interesting, more interesting, more interesting, and you keep driving your cost per acquisition down. You know, and that's the difference between amateurs and professionals. Amateurs will come in and say, let's test a few things. Oh, we found something that works okay a lot. Now let's just scale it and you know, hope for the best, right? And professionals will say, okay, yeah, great, we found the thing, let's start to scale it, but let's be trying to beat it every single week because that will keep driving it down and it will stop that creative fatigue. So the answer on one video, one image, one piece of copy per week on your ads is false. But if you're not doing any of this, just start with one, right? Get one thing. Yeah. To, you know, listen, even if you had a goal of saying, okay, I have an ad out there right now. It's going to a decent lead capture page or a funnel, whatever the case may be. A lot of times what happens is we see this a lot is you'll get that first ad out there. You'll have a funnel or a website out there. You'll run the, and you just walk away from it. 
They think like magically it's going to work right out of the gates the first time. You should get in the habit of even once a week at first saying, okay, this week, what will it be? What's the task this week to optimize this advertisement? Is it going to be a headline change? Okay, that's the one thing this week. Is it going to be a video tweak or an image tweak? That's the one thing this week. And then you can start compounding that. But I find that a lot of people don't, they just, they, they set it and forget it, Aaron. You know this. And it's like, well, you, that's not the game. I mean, this is the beginning of the game, not the end of the game, getting an ad out there, right? It's lazy. Lazy. Yeah, lazy and, 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 and not always lazy, just lack of knowledge, right? A lot of- Or uneducated. Yeah, uneducated. A lot of business owners don't know the stuff that we talk about here. And this is all designed to give you more speed to the result that you want, right? Absolutely. All right, you're up. All right, true or false? If you have a strategy session funnel, you should have at least a 5% booked call percentage from people who view the page where somebody can book a strategy session with you. True five, or false? 5%. Five percent booking. Oof, I say true at least 5% personally. I say true at least 5%. So let's dissect that, right? So you have somebody that sees what it is that you do. They sign in usually. You're talking, is this like a wide open calendar page? Do they need to sign in? Yeah, let's say, let's say somebody, somebody opts in. They, they, they see a little video sales letter and there's a call to action to click the button below and book a strategy session with you. Would you expect uh, we're, we're, we're above or below 5% to book a call with you if it's done right? If it's done right, you need to be well above 5% in my view. I mean, 5% would be like, geez, we're only getting 5% of the people to click and, and book a call. I'd be concerned about that, right? I'd want so know. then do you want to change your answer? You, you seem to maybe disagree with me. Well, you just said, I said, I said true or false. If you have a strategy session funnel, you should have at least 5%. I said true, at least 5%, minimum. All right. Minimum, yeah. All right. You agree? I agree completely. Yeah. We, we shoot for 10 to 15. Exactly. I mean, yeah, that, and that's really good. And that's another number that a lot of people aren't looking at. So interesting that I was having a conversation yesterday. So on our platform, Pipeline Pro, we have what's called the calendar conversion system, right? Which is different than just a calendar booking system because for that reason, I want to know if 10 people book on my calendar, A, first of all, how many are booking? How many are showing up? How many aren't showing up? And how many just completely get away or how many cancel, right? When you know those numbers across the board, you can sure up your booking process big time. And, this, and, and that's the business most people are in today is, is as great as the internet is, the internet has created a platform to be able to have more conversations with more qualified people. Some still think that the internet has been put in place so that you don't have to speak to anybody and the internet will do all the work. That used to be the case, but I'm telling you frankly right now, it's not the case. So the more you can use the internet to get people offline, to get them onto a phone call, to get them onto a Zoom session, the better your conversions will be and the more price elasticity you'll have because as you connect with human beings in real time and you're not hiding behind the computer or hiding behind a website, you will be able to charge more for what it is that you do. You make yourself more readily available. Very big statistic to know in your booking process is don't avoid connecting with people, connect with people and use the internet as a way to connect with more. Agreed. Um, I'm up. Yes. Yes. All right, cool. So true or false? Uh, let me see here. I'm going to bounce around just in case you might've been prepared. We didn't see these questions, did we? Of course we did. Well, we glanced at them. If you want to build a social media following, you should post three times per week, true or false. The answer to that is false. You should post as often as you can. I would say a minimum of one post per day. 
And statistically, what we have found is that the more you post, the more your stuff gets pushed out to the audiences that you establish, the more followers you get, the more likes you get, the more views you get. It becomes this self-perpetuating cycle. You know, I have a, a friend of mine who has, uh, he's got about 9 million followers on Instagram. And I remember when he, he questioned with his team, should we start posting more than once a day? Cause that was like a, that was like, really? Like nobody wants to see our stuff more than once a day. Right. So they started posting two times a day. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden they got an even higher percentage of followers. So they said, what happened if we post three times a day? And all of a sudden they got an even higher percentage of followers. Well, what about four, five, six? They now post seven times a day and they're still seeing an increase in their percentage of followers every single time. So the, 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 the actual answer to this is you can't post enough if your purpose is to get people to hear you, see you, follow you. Now, visibility, 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 visibility. Absolutely. Now, there are some people that will say, well, I unfollow people when they post all day long, blah, 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 blah. Of course, of course there are those people. Mm-hmm. But if you're targeting your message to the right audience and you're gathering new followers, new subscribers, new likes, new shares every single day, then who cares if you lose yeah, this you're, one or you're that always going to lose a few, but you want to gain more than you lose, obviously. Exactly. That's, that's, you're not going to just never lose people because you post more often. You know, it's funny. That's the email conversation error also. How often should I email my list, my customers, right? So again, the big... Well, hold on. Hold on. Don't answer that yet. Don't that answer it because it's my next question. Ooh, I... I and, okay. Right? All right. When people opt in to an educational piece that you offer them, you should send them, you should email them once per week, true or false? I say false. I think once per week you're out of sight, out of mind if you're building a list and you're providing information and value. Um, I see test after test after test after test that keeps coming in that you should be in the inbox once a day. It's the conversation with social, Aaron. It's a very similar conversation, right? I'm seeing some of the big publishing companies out there right now, mainly in the financial space, doing a morning and an afternoon email. And, wow. and you know, oftentimes they're tied to the stock market. So they'll do like a morning, like a pre-market morning report and a late afternoon report. Uh, but if you're information-based, and, and again, it does, it does tie a little bit to the structure of your, of your business model. So if you're an information-based business, you're an author, you publish and people come to get your guide or your free report or your cheat sheet, whatever it is, and you let them know, you know, we're gonna continue to provide you with valuable information surrounding this piece of content. Um, We're gonna also add you to our weekly e-newsletter. So maybe like a newsletter is something that could go out once a week, but that doesn't mean because you send a newsletter out once a week that you send nothing else out, right? So you should find ways to, to have these surgical emails that go out about something specific also periodically as well, even if it's a few days a week, but once a week isn't enough today, frankly. No, it's not. I don't think so. And, and, and a lot of, which a lot of times we talk about information in here, but I'll take it to another place. Like I have a, a friend with a huge restaurant chain and when everything went crazy with uh, COVID, he's like, well, what, what should I do? How do I communicate with my people? And I say, here's what you're going to do. You're going to show them how important your people are to you in this time where everybody's struggling. You're going to show them your culture. You're going to show them this. So what I want you to do is every morning, I want you to go in and I want you to interview somebody on your team about what they're doing today. So one day he would interview a team member like 
cooking a, a, a burger and be like, tell me about what it's like to cook this burger. Oh, I love this burger. It's got these great buns for fresh. We get them from this bakery, blah, 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 blah. We get these fresh local eggs and he was cooking, he's putting it on. And then he sent an email out to his subscribers with a link back to his social watching this video. And now they became more than a restaurant. They became people, humans, Yes. right? You know, he would ask them questions every single day. Like, why do you work here? Oh, I love the, oh, the people are so great and everyone's so supportive here. And, you know, you know, we get to come in and people have birthdays and whatever. Oh, somebody came in and had a birthday. Let's, let's shoot the birthday today. And like, all of a sudden he humanized the brand by sending this out. And of course, and then what happens? So many people start opening them every single day that when he's like, Hey, today we're going to do a special. Let me show you what our special looks like. It's a fresh local duck burger with a fried egg on top of it. Look at this, look how beautiful it is today. It's, you know, you buy this and you get in it, you get a drink for free, but it's only available from 12 to, everybody's tuned in wanting to see this content. And all of a sudden when he runs a special or whatever, boom, he's flooded. We've talked right. a lot on the show, Aaron, about humanizing your process. And most businesses today have a business that, that, that lends itself to demonstration. Right, and demonstration is a big word, right? Demonstration meaning like, can you continue to showcase the way you do things, the way your people do things, the way your process is, how fun your community is in a restaurant, not just about the food, but about the environment in the community. So a lot of people, they, they fail at that big time. They don't demonstrate enough. And social media is the ultimate demonstration platform we've ever seen. It's literally a free TV channel for you to demonstrate what it is that you do. So think about a couple of businesses, the restaurant business, right? Um, fitness, the, the way you do your personal training, the way you handle your clients. You see, you see some trainers do a really good job at this. Fitness, we're in the software business. I'm constantly demonstrating. Every single week I do a video that demonstrates one little piece of many pieces in the software, right? How can you bring demonstration pieces to the table? And now with social, you can get it out there instantly, but let's go back to the email thing, Aaron, right? When you have that happening on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, let's say, you can then send the email directing them to the demonstration. Absolutely. So, you link that post right in the email. Right. And, and what that does is it gets them to where the little show is. And it also right. gets people who are on your email list that aren't connected to you on social to ultimately connect with you on social. And it becomes a nice little 360 ecosystem. Most people totally, they totally separate the email and the social game. And if you can bring the email and the social game together... You can be playing with three, four, five forms of media with one form of, of, of content. Take your, your buddy's example, that one little, these are the buns today, e Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, email to those channels. I mean, that's a spider web effect, we call it. And it's very Absolutely. Powerful. And the thing is, is that people might have started following you in one channel, mm -hmm. but then if you email them stuff with links to other channels, now they're following you in other channels. Now, every time they get on their computer or they pick up the phone, you're everywhere in their mind. Yep. And if you're everywhere in their mind that says they're credible, they're successful, I want to do business with them, and you've accomplished your major goal. And you have a little bit of fun with it and it's slightly entertaining as well. You don't always yeah. have to be canned with it, right? You, you have some fun with it and you don't make it so serious and now people, that disarms people quite a bit. Just be you. Be Just you. be authentic. Yep. Yep. Agreed. Who's up? All right. And you're up. I'm up. Question okay. coming. Uh, let's take a peek here. Well, you don't, I don't want you to, I don't want you to do homework before it. That's why you answer the question. I'm just deciding which question I'm going to ask. If you are when, getting, okay, true, true, true or false. false. Okay. True or false. If you are getting started online today, you should focus on one channel before you learn another. And by channel, you mean media, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Google. Correct. That is what I mean. The answer to that is true. 
you should start with one channel and focus on that and learn that one before you try and spread yourself too thin. And here's why. You do not, you or whoever is working in your team, you do not want them to be average at four or five channels. If you are average at four or five channels, you're gonna blow through a lot of money. If you master one channel, the amount of stuff that you're going to learn from the experience of mastering one, one of those channels is going to dramatically cut down on your experience on another channel. Mm -hmm. And I will also say this, just because something works on YouTube doesn't mean it's going to work on Facebook and Instagram. In fact, very rarely when we expand channels out with clients, can we use the exact same thing across, across channels? So. If you go and master it in one place, you can learn enough stuff that gives you a head start to then go and start to test on that other one. And, and you don't want to be trying to slay five dragons exactly. at the same time. There's more than enough traffic out there in, in, in you know, the big four, big five channels to fill your business. Ma master one first before you go and expand to another. So the answer to that question is true. You Agreed. You don't want to be a jack of all trades and a master of none and anything. I mean, think about what a doctor does when a doctor goes to school. They, they go get their base training and then they specialize. They go into one thing and they rarely ever go to another thing. Now, we're not saying that here, but it's a good analogy because these are, these are sophisticated forms of media today. If you say, hey, listen, we're going to go make Facebook work for our business. Go all in on that one thing and specialize in that, right? Become a ninja in that one thing and, and find out, frankly, Aaron, if it's going to work for your business. Just because the world is on Facebook doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a successful advertising channel for you. I can think of one client I have right now who's a very, very successful patent attorney here in Florida, and he does monster numbers on Google. It's a search-based business. People are looking to get a patent. They're looking for trademark information. They're going online, and they're, and they're such good marketers that they are getting a ton of leads, and they're crushing it on Google. If I told you what their ad spend was, you, well, you'd believe it, but most people wouldn't. They've been trying to make Facebook work, Aaron, for about a year. Investing money here, pulling it off the table, putting it on the table, pulling it off the table, figuring out different ways to play it. Maybe do we drive into a Facebook group first before the ad? Do we do we? They've done it all and they've invested tens of thousands of dollars doing it. And they just can't get the pull on Facebook that they get on Google. But they went all in and they tested it. A lot of people don't realize that you may not your business may not work on one channel and you need to find that out sooner than later. Yeah, and, and I'll say this. First off, send them over to talk to me. I'll get them sorted out. There are certain <laughs> businesses that that you have to market a specific way in that channel to work. So when you take like a search-based business like a patent attorney, yep. right? If they're driving all this traffic over here in Google, then the very first thing you do is you put a pixel on their site that they're driving all that traffic to and the only campaign you would launch when you started off in Facebook and Instagram is a retargeting campaign yeah. to go and retarget all the people that went over there from a different channel where they haven't seen it yet. So you'd start from there. You wouldn't go in and go cold and say, how do we create this new campaign over here in this channel and appeal to these people? You would start by retargeting all the people that they were already driving through their massive Google budget and then you'd start to build off from there. Yeah, great point. And for those who don't know what retargeting is, you've all been retargeted. When you hit a website today, if somebody has retargeting set up, you'll notice that those ads tend to follow you around the web. You'll start to see like that tail effect. And it's very powerful because you get, you know, you can get four or five, six bangs for your buck, right? Somebody hits your website, they're cookied, they're stamped, so to speak, on the internet, and your ad can show 
wherever they go. And it's a really cool thing to do. All right, I'm up, I think, right? Or are you up? No, you're up. I'm going to ask you a question. Yes, you are. Okay. Is this a true or false? True or false. When someone schedules an appointment with you through your booking process, uh -huh. you should send them one text and one email reminder for that call. 110% false. <laughs> I'm just... I'm chuckling because, you know, a big part of our software platform is just phenomenal reminder follow-up to stick that show-up rate as high as 90-plus percent. So the answer is false. You should definitely have a confirmation email and text, but you need to now have the countdown. So if I book a call with Aaron Parkinson today, Friday, for Tuesday afternoon, I want to get my confirmation text and email right this minute. But then maybe tomorrow afternoon, I get a reminder that says, hey, just a reminder, we're meeting 4 p.m. Tuesday. Maybe I don't get one Sunday, but Monday morning, I get one saying, we're 24 hours out. Hope you marked your calendar by now. Quick text, another one an hour before, morning of. I think in my calendar booking processes, I have seven reminders that go out leading up to the appointment. Appointments usually are three, four days out. So I have about seven touches, I think four emails and three texts. So I, I, one I is not enough. I wholeheartedly agree with you. We, we had a client uh, about two months ago, and what we're always shooting for is if somebody books on a calendar, we're shooting for a 60% plus show rate. Yeah, it's good. To the call. And all of a sudden, their show rate dropped from 60% to 40%. Mm. And then they started asking us like, oh, well, what about the, what about the, 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 the quality of the traffic and the this and that? And I was like, no, 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 just stop. I already know what the problem is. Sure enough, we went into their SMS follow-up and they had their credit card had failed. So people were not getting those text reminders before the call. Now it was solely email. Mm. And that just goes to show you how important it is to have multi-channel follow-up. Multimedia follow-up. In, 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 in an environment now where we're constantly distracted, we're hit with a million things. You know, for us, I, I agree with you, it's like, five to seven reminders throughout, you know, the days or, or week, you know, before somebody schedules with you. And if you do any less than that, I can guarantee you your, your show rate is less than 60%. Yeah, well, listen, you're not the only person in the world. If you think a confirmation email four days before an appointment today, cold, by the way, let's assume this is cold. Somebody found you on the internet. They like what you do. They want to meet with you in four days, let's say. If you think that that's the only thing they booked and the only thing they have to do, the only appointment on their schedule with all the distractions and all the media we have today, you're, you're flattering yourself, frankly. It's not. Right, which is, which is right. why if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I don't have that, well, it's why you should be using Pipeline Pro. Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, so it's all automated. Exactly. It should all be automated. You shouldn't be sending manual reminders. My God, I mean, we get so oh, many business no. owners that come in and, and they're like, wow, until I found your platform, I've been manually sending people stuff or having my assistant do it. No, that should be automated. It's 2021. We're a month into 2021. There should not be a whole lot of manual stuff happening. You know where the manual stuff should be that should be happening is you should be the manual stuff. Having great conversations with prospects, having quality conversations, hosting events or shows like this, that's what shouldn't be automated because that's the, the you ink of the business that you can't automate. But you automate all the stuff that really needs to be automated. So probably a good exercise not to get off track is make a list of all the things you're doing that you can automate so that you can then go focus your energy on all the things that you should be doing that are going to bring more revenue into the business, which is you being out there present, having quality conversations, doing presentations, having podcasts, doing shows and becoming omnipresent.
Couldn't agree more. All right. I guess uh, it's, it's, it's you asking me now. I think this is my last question. It, it is. is. If your ads work on one channel, they will work on any channel. You jumped the gun on this one on the last uh, one. I jumped the gun. I already answered this. Well, I'll answer it again anyway. The answer is false. Mm -hmm. Caveat. Your ads will not always work with the exact same format on any channel, right? You can't just take the same thing from YouTube and take it to Facebook and Instagram. You can't take the same thing from Facebook and Instagram to YouTube, you know, Google search. It doesn't even, you can't even put the same copy in there. So, you know, Taboola, yep. Outbrain, all these different things. It, it's going to require different structure and testing to work on different channels, right? It may even, like I talked about with Google earlier, it may not even be a good cold channel for you. It might only be a good retargeting channel for you. Good point. These are things that you have to test in order to know what the format is. Like we had a client um, a couple months ago, Andrew, absolutely killing it with their supplement on Facebook. They said, can you help us do uh, YouTube for this supplement? Bro, we tried like 27 different versions of videos for this supplement on YouTube. I could not make it work. I'm not saying that it can't work. I'm just saying that I personally couldn't get it to work. They that's, couldn't get it to work. Yeah. Eight figure company, you know, crushing it. Smart people on their team, smart people on my team. We tried so many different angles on this thing. I could not get people to buy this supplement off YouTube, but on Facebook, we were smashing the thing all day long, every it's single the, day. It's the exact reverse of the, the, the lawyer I just mentioned, right? You just, yep. some channels, just sometimes you won't crack the code, but it doesn't, it, but so many business owners get so down and out because of that, right? There are so many opportunities today with Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Google, TV, some of the new social channels popping up, direct mail. I mean, podcast shows like this. There's so many ways to go, but important that you pointed out earlier, Go deep down one path and know for a fact that it may or may not be the channel for you before you start moonlighting, right? Moonlighting. A lot of moonlighting happening today where there's – and again, it's, it's sometimes it, it's unconscious, right? There's so many options. Yeah. I mean the crazy thing is – We want to moonlight. I, we'll dip our big toe in the water over here. We'll drop a fishing pole in the water over here and we're like we're – just, we're just dabbling. You never want to be dabbling when it comes to buying media. You want to be really committed. You want to get really educated and you want to really go deep. And then you can decide, is this a channel we can scale or is this a channel we need to maybe cut our losses and get to another one? Yeah, and, and I can tell you, like, I know this guy, Caleb. I'm not sure if you know him or not. Yeah, you mentioned him, I think, on the, on the last one. But, he, I mean, he still crushes supplement product sales in newspapers. In newspapers, I, yeah. You did in mention newspapers. Those episodes ago, with actually. Advertorials in newspapers. And still, and I laughed because he's like, I said, do people even buy newspapers anymore? I wouldn't even know <laughs> where to go to advertise in a newspaper right now. I'm sure I could figure it out. You and he's say like, today's still around, I would think, right? I see them. Yeah, see he's like, listen, here. man, my demographic is supplements for people 55 plus. They still read the paper. There's less people advertising in newspapers anymore. They've all gone digital, so I got less competition. All I got to do is find the right ad, put it in the right paper, and then I duplicate it out across, you know, 100 other newspapers, and I make way more money advertising my supplement in newspapers than I do in digital. I, I was like, you I know what? I have to believe, Aaron, that that guy could make TV work because that same demographic is a TV demographic. The Agreed. newspaper demographic is also a traditional TV demographic as well. I would, I would think that. 
I don't know. I mean, that's a whole different channel, but again, it's a channel. It's a channel. You're up. I mean, the green lip muscle is one of the greatest, you know, uh, examples to look at. The what? green lip muscle is this very, very famous supplement out of New Zealand, great for cognitive response, so on and so forth. It, it, it does okay in digital, but the biggest success of all that was when somebody took it on an infomercial mm-hmm. with his name is escaping me right now. The really famous interviewer guy. It's not Dan Rathers. It's, um, Oh, is it the guy that, is it, um, guy with he, the glasses, he just, back hair. he just passed away like a month ago. Um, you're right. It's on the tip of my tongue. Uh, it'll come to me. He was like a 60 minutes type exactly. guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, anyway, they, they, they ran this hour long infomercial with, with him interviewing the, you know, the co-founder talking about all the great benefits of this supplement. Are they like $500 million in sales off this infomercial? Amazing. 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 So that channel was perfect. Yep. But they them. had to go deep to find out. Yeah. They didn't just go, Hey, let's just dabble over here. They were like, okay, let's learn it. Let's gain knowledge. Let's access experts. Let's know all we need to know. Let's also find out how we need to structure the advertisement and the offer for that network. They didn't, that's not dabbling. That's no. doing heavy due diligence and committing. There's a difference. Absolutely. All right. This is the last, last one question. is for me. Drum roll. Hold last on. I think I have a drum roll. Oh, hold, hold on. Hold on. Do I have a drum roll? No, I don't have a drum roll. I'll have a drum roll next week. All right. You want me to make you one? What was that? Was that, was that clapping? It was a, a round of applause, pal. <laughs> <laughs> True or false? Once your follow-up process is set up, you should review it once per year. Completely false. Once per year is, is, is like an eternity. When you have a follow-up campaign process in place that goes out for, I don't know, 30 days, 10 days, 60 days, whatever it is, I would audit that process. And we talked about auditing early, early on here in Sales Velocity. I would audit that process probably once a month. And what I like to do is when you have a lead generation process, a sales process, a funnel that requires information and logging in and opting in and moving through, is I like to set up free emails for myself all the time and become my own prospect. One of the greatest pieces of advice I ever got years ago, probably right when I came online, Aaron, probably 15 years ago, now that I think of it, is the best thing you can do is to become your own prospect. So few do this. They'll set up a funnel, they'll set up a lead generation path, and they might test it like with their main email and just see if it works, and then they they never look at it again. I would always go, because your email, if you use your own email, you can get away with that once or twice, but then then a lot of times these software platforms, you get into like, issues where the data gets almost like beat up to the point where it won't even get the deliverability that it normally should get, right? So I would always go set up a free Yahoo account. Maybe next month I'll set up a free Google account. Maybe next month I'll set up just some whatever email account and I become my own prospect in the process and I sit back, I remove myself from myself. I sit back, I take notes, I watch and I go, where can we improve? So I noticed that this email wasn't going out at the right time. This email didn't go out at all. This one had a typo in it. Uh, this one, the link, I could, it, it should say something differently. Like you get different thoughts in your head. And as you see your sales process or your lead gen follow-up every month versus every year, you can, you can tweak it and improve it, but also make sure nothing's broken. Tech is tech. You and I both know that tech will sometimes just not do what we think it should do. Right. Once uh, in a while. Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. All time. It, you know, it, it should be, it should be reliable 97, 98% of the time if done right. 
but there's a 2% chance that something won't fire the right way. And you may not know about it if you don't check it and audit it at least monthly. So my well, thought and, is monthly. Yeah. And, and one of the, the examples of this that really stood out is when COVID hit, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> there was a couple of really big brands that had these long, uh, email autoresponder series. And they, there's a couple, I remember this one specifically that sent out this email and it was all these people partying on a boat and they were like, Oh, you know, we wish you were here. Like, you know, everything's going so great and blah, 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 blah. And everybody in the world knew that the whole world was locked down. That is interesting. There's there's nobody doing that right now. Right. And, and a a bunch of people like screenshotted it and posted in social media and put really they're they're out there. No, they were like, guys, you're you're full of crap and you're hurting your brand because you've you've set and forget this thing and you haven't actually reviewed it to see if it's still congruent with what's happening in the world. And then you just look like an idiot. Great point. Great point. Yeah, that's it's funny, but it's not funny because it probably cost them a lot of potential sales or leads or whatever their process was, right? It costs them credibility, right? Which ultimately leads to leads and sales. And listen, things change also, Aaron, right? So if you're not constantly auditing your follow-up process, you might have an email going out like on day seven that says something regarding a product that doesn't exist anymore that you removed three months ago if you don't have someone on this. Absolutely. Or you, or you look at, you know, the, the baselines of your, let's just choose one statistic, right? Like what is my open rate for each email, right? And let's say like the, the first three emails that go out have a 20% open rate and the the sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth have a 20% open rate. But for some reason, number five has a 5% open rate. Well, well what, what's the problem with this one? Is it the subject line? Is it, is it like, or, or reverse, maybe that one has a 70% open rate. Right. Like what, what was it about that one that was so special that I can then learn from and see if I can implement and carry out through everything else? Mm, great point. Great point. That, that's that auditing process, right? That needs to happen frequently in your process, in your follow up um, across the board. So we did 10, five and five. That was fun. True or false. Yeah, I, I thought it was super fun. True or false has officially come to its end True of its first false. episode. Um, if you feel like having some fun and you're watching this on social or whatever, post your own true or false questions for us. We're happy to answer them, uh, in the chat, in the comments, but, uh, Andrew, we've got a big weekend coming up. Your hero, Tom Brady going for his seventh, looking to tie the great MJ, Sir Ernest. Not tied. Uh, he's I will be tied him. He's, he's going to surpass. He's going to surpass my apologies. So my let's apologies. Please, let's please get this straight before we, you know. Before you get on this show, let's let's be accurate here, okay, please? <laughs> my apologies. My apologies. Super Bowl 55 is upon us at the time of this recording. And uh, hey, listen, for the, for the viewers that hate football and are sick of us talking about football, at least for like the next seven months on sales velocity, you don't have to hear us chime in about the NFL for five or ten minutes in the beginning like we're known to do during football season. As much. As, as much. much. There might be – there could be pockets of news coming out here and there, right? Absolutely. But uh, hey, listen, another thing I want to bring to the table here in in addition to this true or false uh, theme is the sales prevention department is going (laughs) to visit Sales Velocity. And it's really funny. (laughs) I used to run, Aaron, as you know, I ran in Florida for nine years. I ran a monthly seminar business called Renegade South Florida Entrepreneurs. It was was really a lot of fun to do 
to like, like it was like this show for three hours every single month, a seminar, right, on marketing, sales, and, and process, and business growth, and entrepreneurship. And I kicked every event off with this ten-minute little segment called the Sales Prevention Department. And it was just every month I would gather one pathetic business that just completely dropped the ball from front to back on any possible process that they would. It could have been a restaurant, could have been a car dealership, could have been an online supplement company that I bought from. And I just, I, I closely watch how they handle oh, the customer. I've got one that just popped just in my head. I can't hold wait on to, it, to man. share it. Put it in on the bank. Yeah. Put later. it in the bank because listen, there are so many businesses out there that are literally preventing sales because they're so thoughtless in their process. It's coming. I can't wait. Are we, doing it, are we doing it next week? I don't know. We'll, 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 we'll see. We'll see. We'll figure it out. But hey, hope you enjoyed this one. This was fun, Aaron. Always a pleasure. If you're not downloading Sales Velocity Radio on Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, do so. Great on the go as well. Naturally, we're live uh, every single Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern inside the public Sales Velocity TV page. Everybody have a great rest of your week. We'll see you in the next episode. I'm Andrew Cast. That's Aaron Parkinson. Over and out. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Sales Velocity TV is powered by Pipeline Pro, the ultimate all-in-one sales pipeline management and marketing automation platform that makes all others obsolete. And we can prove it. Take a tour at gopipelinepro.com. See you on the next episode.